I mean, it's it's garbage for you, I but think it's, it's delicious. I think it's my favorite energy drink called Surge. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you Google Surge Surge, the first thing is Surge Soda is back from Surge.com. Yeah. No. No. Nice. I thought I heard something about them bringing it back a while back. Hell yeah! This is a Surge cast now. <laughs> All the latest Surge news. We're gonna talk about Surge the up. beverage. We could talk about the two video games, the gym leader, <laughs> Surge, comma lieutenant. You can actually search for who's selling Surge. What is this? Who is it? Who? Give me. I want names. I mean, the shell near us. Nice. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, we should get a sponsorship. Go pick some up for the Horizon House. We'll get a Surge sponsorship. <laughs> Let's all be jacked on Surge all the time. I'm sure it'll be great. Fuck yeah, dude. Forget these chill vibes. No, 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 no. We are going to talk so fast. We're going to get through so many topics, mainly oh. about Surge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forecast Episode 101. Thank you much for joining us. That's so that's, hard to talk that fast. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. You know what would make it easier? Bunch of Surge. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the forecast, a bi-weekly podcast produced on Thursdays, co-hosted by. A, wait a second, that's the summary. Wrong sentence. Hey, everybody, welcome to the forecast, episode wow. one hundred and one. <laughs> the forecast <laughs> is a bi-weekly podcast produced on Thursdays. We're a community of people who love exploring and discussing all kinds of things, from video games and board games to film and TV to our everyday life experiences. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash We Are The Horizon Community, or you can come hang out on our Discord channel, or you can check out our website at wearethehorizon.com, where we do have a ton of original content for you to browse through. Uh, additionally, everything we talk about is in our cast notes, uh, which is pushed out to whatever podcasting app you are using. I am Aaron, joined by a couple additional peeps this week. Alex? Hello. Jake? Hi. Caleb? That's me. And who's that other guy? The co-host? Social media the Social media. Social media. Social media. Wow. Owen! Wow. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. How's it going? Don't you know I'm a social media manager. I almost choked on a surge. I didn't know what order we were going in. I almost died. <laughs> Jake, why are you drinking a monster? Yes, yeah, sir. This is because we're not sponsored What is yet? wrong with you? And I'm not at the Horizon House where we have stockpiles <gasps> of the stuff. Send some to me. Well, we there, Surge isn't going to sponsor us now. You mentioned Monster. Yeah, yeah. Now it's done. Believe it it's out in post. <laughs> it's over. Uh, there's no way to here, do that. Actually, just once we once we said it, it's it's Surge. I can't take it out. Insert that over where I said the other thing, <laughs> and no one will know. That's working a Surge. Almost choked on a mouthful of Surge. <laughs> See, that's natural. Exactly. Just like Surge. I'm sure it'll work really well. Hey, Alex, do we have any uh, Alex time one point something? 1.34? 1.4, I guess. Yeah. Do you have a 1.4? Um, Did you prepare anything? I know you've been really busy, so. I was watching a bunch of stuff the other day about how uh, the Sani's bad. Like literally what? water? This is a good. <laughs> yeah, this is great. No, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you look on the ingredients for Dasani, it's not just water. <laughs> It's like salt and some other chemicals. 
So it's like it's like that company in the movie The Tuxedo, where they make water <laughs> that makes you thirsty. Man, Everyone why is the tuxedo movie, right? coming up so right? much lately? That's true. <laughs> it's it's on. Okay, it's a classic film. Everyone's talking about it. <laughs> Everybody's talking classic. about that Walter Strider. Walter yeah, Strider. Yeah, so. Uh, for 1.4, the changes. It's not a top 10 list. It's me recommending don't drink Dasani. Drink a different water. <laughs> wow. Okay, don't. What drink advice? Apparently, um, it like makes you more thirsty when I mean, you drink it. That so makes are sense. We just, so we're like preemptively losing sponsors. Yeah. Is the plan. <laughs> we're, we're just Batting like, who could sponsor us? Dasani? Nope. Get them out. <laughs> don't, don't, don't drink Dasani. Drink. Smart water. Surge. The only water we that makes you smart. We are not bought. Okay? We are not bought. This is hard-hitting journalism right here. Do Go not drink Kisani because hard-hitting. Hard-hitting. Just like Surge, the great <laughs> energy drink. <laughs> okay, let's move on to what we start with every bi-week, every other week, every fortnight, which is what you've been playing lately. And uh, we're going to go bottom-up this time. So, Owen, let's start with you. Shoot. Oh, bi-week. Cool. So I've been playing Animal Shut Crossing. Up. And it's great. Surge and Dasani are both owned by the Coca-Cola company. So, oh, my oh God. man, Gosh. that's a lot of sponsors we've lost Gosh. <laughs> at once. Um, yeah, been playing some Animal Crossing. You know, paying off that Tom Nook. Paid him off. I don't mm. owe anybody anybody, which is nice. But also, I now have lack of reasons to actually give a shit in my island. Um. <laughs> I should have thought of that as I was like speeding through and just like grinding out everything and just going after bells after bells after bells is at some point, you know, you just then have beat the game, quote unquote, and then it's like, OK, well, now what do I do? Um, but it's isn't the fun. point of that game to not really be grindy, but just to like chill yeah. and play a little bit mm-hmm. at a time? I had a lot of free time <laughs> these past couple of days, so I was just like going headfirst into it. And then I just was like, oh, hey, I'm like done um so that that happened so i played some animal crossing uh also played a little bit of overwatch as per usual won some games lost some games it's all good uh and that's that's what i've been playing okay how about uh jake what have you been playing lately so i got really sucked into hades that new roguelike that supergiant games made uh i kind of it's not out out, which is the okay. weird part. I just after we saw them live at PAX, I was like interested in it, and then I picked it up on sale slightly at the Epic Store. Uh, and it's it's really really good. I like it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, what I think it is because I'm not usually into roguelikes. Because uh, even when I was talking to Caleb about should I get it, should I not, he's like, you don't really like roguelikes. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I want to try it. Uh, but what I think it does really good is the big thing I think I don't like about roguelikes is you get a lot of, like, dead runs. Like, I remember when Binding of Isaac first came out, sometimes you would just start and it'd be like, oh, here's the three worst items in the game to start with. Yep. And it's just like, oh, I'm gonna lose. Like, there's no way I'm going to win. So it's kind of like you're already starting off on a losing foot. But what Hades does, each upgrade, there's like, the way the upgrades work, there's like a bunch of different, all the Olympian gods give you buffs. And so whenever you pick up a buff, you actually have, like, three different options. So it's like, oh, this one, your main attack deals poison. But in this one, oh, your magic move does an AoE stun. And, like, you know, you can so you can kind of build, even if you get a god you don't normally like buffs from, you at least have a variety to pick from. Uh, and they also added these, like, trinkets you can pick up. 
they're basically equipment that you pick at the beginning, but some of them let you are like, hey, the next boon you pick up is gonna be it's gonna be Zeus. You know it's gonna be Zeus, and there's a twenty percent chance you get a rare buff from him. So that's also really cool because like halfway through a run, if you're like, man, I'm doing a lot of lightning stuff, let me pick that up, get Zeus next time, and just be lightning boy, hundred percent, do a bunch of lightning damage. Are there also like detriments to picking a specific god's upgrades? Not really, other than kind of like an opportunity cost thing. Like if okay. Zeus is upgrading your dash, Aphrodite can't also upgrade your dash. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. But the yeah, those are pretty much just straight up boons, uh, which is really cool. Now, so there's like four, no, six weapons in the game, mm-hmm. and most of them are really good. One of them's the shield. <laughs> All the other ones actually are quite good. Not the shield. The bow's the boring, bow, but very. Like. It's boring, but it's pretty good. It's really safe. Yeah, it's very safe, yeah. But the, the shield just sucks. I don't like the shield at all. You just throw it like you shoot the bow. It's fine. I guess. I just hate it. <laughs> Anyways, I is, remember liking the shield, I think. Well, you can you're get wrong. some crazy upgrades for the shield where it like bounces to multiple people and increases the damage every time it bounces and stuff okay, like that. Fine. Like Captain shield. America class. <laughs> fine. Yeah. The shield's exactly. the best weapon in the game. There. No, are you happy incorrect. now? <laughs> the sphere is clearly superior, but point is it's really really Sup- good and i'm honestly <laughs> i get it I God, I hate you. <laughs> i'm surprised it's still in early access it feels like a completed game right now i've been having a lot of fun with it i haven't managed to beat it yet because the last boss is two phases and i didn't know and i'm really salty about that to <laughs> it be was honest really funny when he i had a out. really good run and i beat him and i was like yep easy i like start to walk away and then he gets a new health bar and stands back up i'm like you bitch you sit back <laughs> down i won and then he killed me, and now I'm sad. But it's a really good game. Is, I love, so are the levels done then? No. Okay. I don't, I, I don't They're know. Anymore. Are They're they? Anymore. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, like, cause... if you actually beat him, I think it just kills you, right? Yeah. The narrator's oh, just like, oh, look, he stepped on some poisonous mushrooms. He's dead. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Um, speaking of uh, bosses with two phases at the very end of a game, oh. let's talk a little bit about uh, Doom Eternal. Mm-hmm. Well, spoiler alert here, in case you haven't beat the game yet. Um, what an excellent game up until the last level. <laughs> wow. Man. Excellent game. After, yeah. No, it's really, it's really after, after you guys have mentioned this now twice on the podcast, I have to know, what is so bad about the last level that you guys continuously bring it up as just being a disappointment? Did we actually talk about the last level, last podcast? Yes, you did. Beat, yeah. We had beat it already? I, somebody mentioned it in the last podcast oh. of, of it being a disappointment. The same thing with Doom 1, I think, was also the same thing. Of it was really good until like the last fight or last boss or something of that nature. Mm. Um, yeah, that's true. Doom 1, that, actually, that's probably what we were talking about, how Doom 1's last boss was pretty garbage. The it's game could have ended before. Bad. It's pretty it's easy, just, but... Yeah, it's, it's kind of what it, you it's can just, just circle not... straight from to death with a right. rocket launcher. It's boring, right? Um, Doom Eternal's gameplay is really fun, and the level designer level designs are really neat. And as you're sort of playing throughout the game, you're seeing these giant Doom Slayer bots. I don't even know what they are. They look like armor, maybe. They're Jaegers. Yeah, okay, obviously, sure. they're Jaegers. <laughs> Uh, and so you, even in the, the, the sort of castle ship that you're in, you can actually see one sort of suspended halfway down. And so you kind of have this thought process as you're playing, oh man, 
I'm going to be able to get into a giant Jaeger and run around and wreck people. Um, no. You get to the last <laughs> boss. He is the size of all of the big giant Jaegers that you've seen. However, you have to fight him as normal Doom Slayer, which means you're just running around on the side of a building while I don't know how he's not just absolutely demolishing it when he slams his fist down. Yeah. Um, and it's a two-phase boss fight. In the first phase, you're literally just shooting the eight different sections of armor that are on his sort of torso, arms, and head. And once you defeat that, he teleports. You follow him through the teleporter somehow. Not sure how that happens. Maybe yeah, I like don't know. Couldn't do that the very first time he portaled somewhere. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, you follow him, and then oh look, lo and behold, you get another uh, fight where you have to shoot all eight segments of his body. This time you're just destroying those parts of his body. And when you destroy the last one, that's it. You're done. And it's just pretty lackluster, kind of boring. Plus, you die quite often without knowing how. Because he's just yeah, slamming was, the ground. There was one point he like punched at me. And he knocked me out of the back of the building through a wall. So I couldn't dash back onto the building. So I just, I just took more damage. Mm. And that. I just, There's a lot of times I was playing that game where I was like, we should have a kill cam. Because I have no idea how I just died. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the game is really cool, but I think they missed. I mean, honestly, even if they would have just scaled up you, this, like you, the, the Doom, just like scaled up your model and had you fight the Icon of Sin just as like a big version of yourself. Yeah, I'd have been happy with it. But what they chose to do was just kind of weird. Mm -hmm. uh, also been playing a little bit of uh, Call of Duty Warzone. Man, never thought I would get into this game as much as I am, but I am. Um, they have finally made the change from three-player squads, because I guess that's what they decided to start with, to uh, quad squads. So now you can mm. play four players. Um, and, of course, they got rid of all the other stuff. So you can't, can't do three-player. There is no two-player. You can only do solo, or you can do groups of four. Why they just implement other group sizes and then don't retain the old ones, I don't know. Wait, did this start with duos and singles? They started with started with just three, just three, okay. and then they added solos, and then they moved to quads and solos. Okay. How how'd you get into those games? Because like you said, that's a it's a weird pick. I feel like for you, for um, any of us, really. He kind of likes to, battle royale yeah, games, generally I do. speaking. And I thought this one was um, the problem. The problem I had with the last battle royale game was Apex Legends, and I felt like the curve was just too high. People are way too good at that game. I never know how I die, but I die. Um, and this one, I felt like anytime you get a battle royale game, if you start early enough, you can feel like you're okay at the game and you can play it for a while. Sure. I'm sure there eventually will be people a point. will outskill you. And yeah. There'll well, be a point where we stop playing. Have you tried? There's this one. It's kind of underground. It's called Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope, I hear tried. a bunch of five year olds play it. So you might have a better shot <laughs> playing that Dang. one. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Um, never tried it. Warzone is free in case you didn't know. So as even though that Call of Duty game is a paid game, the Warzone part's free. You continuously are talking about this, and I see you guys playing it, and it makes me want to check it out. But then I also realize that at the end of the day, it's just another battle royale game, and like, why would I do that to myself? So I'm curious, like, what about it would you would you would say like would bring people to this game versus? Just, hey, let's go back and play Apex or PUBG or, you know, any of the other Fortnite. Battle Royales that we've played. Well, <laughs> I, I would say pre-Apex, Battle Royales were a completely different animal. 
Like you queue into a game, you know it's either going to be long or you're just going to die and you're out. But when Apex came out, they in essentially invented the idea of respawning, which completely changed Battle Royales. Right. Um, which and, is baffling because all of the shooters had respawns before that. Right. 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 <laughs> uh and it, it and like, it's like so much changed it that they've I mean, I'm pretty sure they've added respawning to Fortnite now. Yep. Okay. They also invented the ping system, which wow, what an excellent idea. Let's notify players where other things are on the map so they can go pick them up. Brilliant. Um <laughs> but Modern Warfare has kind of taken that that respawn system and just added more on top of it. So in, in normal Call of Duty, you have things called kill streaks where you know, you kill a certain number of enemies and you get some special ability that allows you to do something like a UAV or uh, some kind of uh, chopper gunner or a, a chest that has your specific setup. Um, in Warzone, they have these little buy stations and you can just go pay to bring your teammates back. So if you collect enough cash around the map, you just run to a buy station, pay for your teammate to come back. They parachute out of a new plane, come back down, only carrying a handgun again. So they still have to scavenge and find some stuff, but they're back in the game. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't make people have to sit around and just watch people play a battle royale as much as it used to be. Right. But, okay, so I, I know that this has the respawn system, but so does Apex. So what is making this better than Apex? Like, really? What's, it's just uh, the, the capability of players. I don't feel super outclassed, super outpaced like I do in Apex. I also have the gulag in this one. Oh, that's mm -hmm. cool too. Yeah. So when um, you die before your team even has a chance to revive you, it sends you to the gulag and it pits you in a one v one versus somebody else that's died. And if you beat them, you just get to respawn for free. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. You don't start with yep. any of your gear. You like start fresh again. Sure. But, yep. but it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's it pretty feels neat. very good to win the one v one. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> It adds a fun little mini game into that sort of time frame in which you die. Your teammates are still alive trying to get cash and buy you back. But, oh, hey, I can kill but somebody it, back in by myself. It puts you both in this tiny little bathroom map, and it gives you both a random weapon identical to each the other. Same. Yeah. So sometimes you can both have auto shotguns, and sometimes you can both have 9mm pistols or whatever. I pretty much always have pistols. It's pretty much all it ever gives me. And then... You also have like a tactical ability you can use, like a flash grenade or something that can stun them, but it doesn't activate for a few seconds. So you can like sprint around the map and try to find them before that, and then also use the stun grenade after. Kind of adds some element of tactics to it. It's, it's cool. Yeah. I'll say the one other thing that kind of sets it apart is contracts, which are these little things you can pick up around the map. It to is do also a unique things. mechanic. Yeah. Um, one of them is like you're hunting another player and it kind of gives you a circle of where they're generally at. Uh, one of them is securing an area and one of them is finding a bunch of loot chests. It's three in a row, essentially. And as a part of doing these contracts, you get paid cash. And the more contracts you do in a row, the more cash you get. So you get like it's like an increase every time you do an additional contract. And from that, you're buying kill streaks, you're buying respawns. So the game is a little bit more dynamic in that sense. Is um, the cash only... Uh, like a value in your current match or do you get yeah. to like bring that back is it like what's what's your what's your out of match currency to you know buy loadouts and things like you were mentioning last week it's i mean you just unlock them via le leveling yeah 
so there's gonna... leveling and challenges. You yeah. can unlock stuff. Um, yeah, cash is just during the match. Hmm. And then most everything that's unique in terms of like, if you want skins, if you want your change your vehicle uh, appearance, if you want uh, special customized weapons, that's all pay to play. I mean, they have a battle pass. You buy it, you get additional elements from the battle pass. But all in all, it's a cool game. I mean, I think it's um, for a battle royale. It's pretty easy entry. A, it's free, which is great. But B, it also has those new introduced elements. Um, yeah, so mm -hmm. that's the mechanics are quite solid too. Just the basic shooting feels very good. Mm -hmm. Time that's to kill feels duty. decent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, right. Feels like it's that. a Call of Duty gameplay in yep. a different form factor. A little little longer time to kill, but um, basically the same. We have also been playing Gloomhaven. Did somebody else want to talk about this? I mean, I had it on my list, but I've already talked a lot. I'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Gloomhaven's <laughs> a game that nobody's ever played. <laughs> Lots of people have bought it, but you're not allowed to play it by law. They'll arrest you. <laughs> this is true. true. Uh, we have now all three retired our first character. I haven't Ooh. played my new character yet, but... To be clear, all us three being... Caleb, Aaron, and Alex. Yes. Because there's five of us here. The, one, the ones that have played Gloomhaven and talked about it for like the last two podcasts. Let's just make it, what if this is someone's first podcast? I don't know. Sure. This is the one Owen sent to NPR. It's a, it's a decent point. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I got rid of my spellcaster and ended up unlocking uh, another ranged attack guy. So that's, he's got unique mechanics though, so that's going to be cool. Yeah, I was actually pointing out to Alex when Aaron wasn't there. Alex's character now debuffs enemies. I buff myself, and Aaron buffs both of us. So I come out very much ahead <laughs> as Knight's <laughs> team. Yeah. It's weird because our first set of characters were very much, um, I would say, independent of one another. Yeah. We didn't really have like a, a lot of overlaps in abilities and buffs, debuffs. It's mainly just like... I, you know, we had a frontliner, we had a spellcaster, and we had a. You were kind. Of, were, you, were you a ranger? Kind yeah, of, Caleb. Kind of. I don't know what that character was. It was not very know. fun. He was a tinkerer. <laughs> but regardless, there wasn't a lot of overlap. And now, like even when my character came out, I felt like it was just like I'm really playing a weird, like supporty paladin that's also a frontliner. I, it's I don't know. It's completely changed the way that we approach dungeons at this point. It's kind of neat. Yeah, having these three new characters, I think we're going to have a lot of... It's going to be a lot more tactical even than it was before. Yeah, a lot more tactical for a game that you literally cannot communicate what you're going to be doing before you do it because it's not really cooperative. What a weird concept for a game. <laughs> you're supposed to have limited communication, yeah. I'm going to go certain things. Um, somewhat Ooh. early, and I may be somewhere in this area of the dungeon when I go, just kind of generally pointing around the map. That's bizarre. Why? You're not supposed to say like specific initiative values or who you're like, gonna hit, what you're gonna do, where you're gonna move. None of that yeah. can be communicated. All it's right. Just, it's a strange like. I mean, it's definitely cooperative, but it's what is cool about know. it is it sounds really stupid at first, and when you yeah. first play it a few times, you're like, "This is so dumb. It's it's anti-player. It's it's not cooperative." But then we played like 10, 15 scenarios together with those sets of characters. And we basically learned how each other 
approach situations and and played cards and stuff like that and we got better at cooperating together we would just just naturally it was kind of like an in-world dynamic change between like just getting together as a party not really knowing what each other is or who what they do and then all of a sudden we have learned over time who that party member is and how they approach fights which is kind of neat you'd even learn people's initiatives on their cards and you'd know that they're, if they say that they're going very early, they're going on a seven initiative. Because, you know, they have that card. You just learn it over time. It's, it's very, the progression and the retirement system especially is very cool. Mm-hmm. The way it works. Like, the starting classes that you get are fairly simple. And it seems like the ones that we're unlocking all have, like, unique stuff about them that is more complex. So it, like, Teaches you the core mechanics of the game in the beginning and then lets you expand upon it as you unlock stuff. Um, Alex, what else really have you cool. been playing? Um, well, we discussed Doom Eternal. I finished that game. Uh, then I went and played all of Half-Life 2, including the episodes. That game's a lot of fun. I, I think I decided... I liked Black Mesa more than Half-Life 2. Wow. After playing all of it. Why? What what part? I like the level design better in Half-Life 1. Hmm. It's a lot more corridor shootery, but I like the focus, I guess. Sure. I'd say. Like a lot of Half-Life 2's stuff is like it felt like they were beginning to explore like more open world type stuff, like early open world game type stuff. And you're like driving around these kind of bland open areas and, you know, occasionally coming across a house that you go into and find some ammo or whatever. And it just didn't seem as inspired or focused. Like I said, I guess. Hmm. I think we talked last time, uh, the guys who made uh, Black Mesa, they added some content to the last couple levels that weren't in the original Half-Life one. Mm-hmm. Do you think that contributed at all? Uh, maybe, yeah. Those last levels are certainly very cool. And a lot longer so, than they used to be. Yeah, so it's certainly could have played a part, I guess, in my decision to shun Half-Life 2. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, those, I mean, it's not saying that Half-Life 2 is bad in any way. It's, it's excellent. Very good. Um, and I had a lot of fun playing it. And I finally, it was the first time I've played the episodes, actually. So I saw the cliffhanger that they left it on for 13 years. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I'd be pissed if I played this 13 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then that let me start playing some of Alex. I'm not far into it at all so i don't really have a ton to say but that's a cool game um oh and the other thing that we played we played some uh totally reliable delivery service with sam and cassie me and oh, caleb I was, did i was wondering what this acronym turds was <laughs> turds <laughs> turds nice totally reliable reliable delivery service uh, it's free is it still free on epic i think so it got released and immediately it was free on epic so we picked it up um, it kind of plays a little bit like, uh, uh, what's that game? 
man human, human, fall, flat. Flat. human fall flat yes but you're like supposed to deliver packages as is it the a game instead game? of instead of <laughs> maybe you might maybe it could be considered a strand like game. game it's mostly a game about goofing off with your friends i think and yeah. doing mm-hmm. weird stuff and driving vehicles with poor controls that are poor on purpose and also you have poor controls which are poor on purpose maybe not as poor as they as they are on purpose that makes sense they're probably no. worse than they meant them to be, sense. but they are they are very bad. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. It's kind of dumb. Yeah. If I paid money for it, I wouldn't be happy, I don't think. Right. <laughs> but it's it's cool for a little free like pastime. Uh Caleb, how about you? What have you been playing? I went back, I've been trying to run through. I have a list on Steam of like games that I need to finish. So I went back and I started playing The Messenger again because uh, they released a Picnic Panic DLC that I never played. Went back and played that. That game's, that game's a lot of fun. There is a very annoying boss fight in the DLC. But other than that one boss fight, it was very enjoyable. What the hell's The Messenger? The Messenger... Um, it's a game that he kickstarted like 10 years ago. <laughs> no. I believe it. It came out <laughs> a couple years ago. Maybe in 2017. Uh, and it's like a... Oh, Man, what are those this games? game. It's like a the ninja um, games. What are those Ninja called? Gaiden. Thank ninja you. Gaiden. It's like Ninja Gaiden. And then, That's like right. halfway through, it changes into like a Metroidvania game. And so it's got some neat things going on. And the the DLC was pretty fun. I'm glad I went back and finally finished it. And uh, I've also been playing Half Life Alex because I went back and I finished Half Life Two in the episodes like Alex. And now I'm playing Half Life Alex, and it is very good. I haven't played a VR game in a while that I really liked, but uh, I certainly like playing Alex a lot. It's got some really neat mechanics. You don't have a you're playing as um, Alex, if you can gather that, and you don't have the gravity gun. You have these gravity gloves, and the way they work is you kind of just point at an object and it'll highlight it a little bit, and then you squeeze and pull towards you with like a little yank motion. And then the object flies through the air, and you can just snatch it out of the air. And it feels very good. It's much better than, like, having to lean over and pick up every single item. And it you can use it, like, mid-combat to pull things off of enemies. It's, and it it's feels like cool. you have, like, telekinesis, like a superpower. Right. It feels very yeah. natural. Uh, so I've got two questions about this game. Mm-hmm. How do you move? Mm. There and... are... Oh, no. Answer that one. I'll just answer that first. There are four locomotion options, I think. Okay. So you got uh, continuous movement, which Mm -hmm. is that thing you don't want. Not going to work. You move a stick forward and it just moves your character. And you just vomit immediately. The vomit (laughs) button option. There's a blink, which is a teleport, and it fades the screen to black and then fades back in at the location you teleport to. Uh, Sounds better. There's a dash, which is what I use, which is like the blink, except instead of fading into black and back out, it very quickly shifts your movement to that spot. So it's like a teleport, but you see the character actually moving from this first spot to the second spot. Mm. Okay. And then what's the fourth one, Alex? Do you remember? There's two continuous options. There's continuous based on where your head's looking, and there's continuous based on where the controller is pointing. Right. That's it. Cool. So two teleports and two vomit options. I can get behind that. I like the the dash, dash, Caleb. What, yeah. Alex, what did you use? I use continuous. Mm. Which continuous? continuous? I 
so uh, typically I like controller oriented continuous better, yeah. but there's enough stuff that I'm doing with my offhand that I'm moving it around and it kind of messes up my movement in this game when usually I can just focus on actually moving my character with that hand. Uh, so I actually switched it to head orientation continuous. Mm. I like that you asked about the locomotion because uh, Valve actually released a video on YouTube like last week, I think. It's like a 10 minute deep dive into the lo- locomotion in Alex. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What they say about pretty it. neat. That's good. I mean, they talked about how they designed it, really. Mm. Well, I mean, that's. There... I feel like in a VR game, that's a really big hurdle. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, is there anything unique about, like, what did, what did they even say about it? Because it's just like all the other VR game movement. Right. There wasn't a lot that was, like, super unique, but there was a bunch of stuff about, like, padding over obstacles and stuff. It was. Like, so I've seen some games that have kind of unique movement. Like, there's some stuff that makes you like swing your arms like you're walking mm-hmm. try to give it more natural feel i've seen yeah. some experiments that that you sit in a chair and you like do it like a wheelchair <laughs> yeah that seems like a decent idea i feel like it seems really cool actually. moving your arms to walk i feel like that's a terrible idea because like w- that's missing the important part of walking where you yeah. walk yeah. right like that doesn't work like when also, I swing my arms, my brain doesn't go, oh yeah, we're walking. Because our <laughs> also, arms are moving. Your arms should be really just like straight behind you, right? While you're like <laughs> yeah, slightly so bent forward, yeah. kind mm-hmm. of moving. That's I think that's that's obviously the fastest way to get around. Right. Man, there's gotta right. be a VR game that when you go to Naruto run pose, it sprints for you. It speeds up. Right? There's gotta be. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, your other my, question? my second question. I am, you know, a peasant, and I only have an Oculus Rift. Can I even play this game? Yeah. Okay. For I sure. wasn't sure, because obviously Valve now has the inde- Index? Yeah. Index, yeah. Index. Yeah. And I'm not spending another $1,000 for something that's probably going to make me vomit a lot. It's <laughs> all through SteamVR, which supports Oculus cool. and cool, cool, cool. the other ones that are really important. Nice. Yeah, you can play it with, I think, most systems. Maybe I yeah. will actually pick it up. Something. They um, they talked a lot about how they wanted to make sure everybody that had a headset could play it. So even if they didn't buy the thousand dollar headset, yeah. They made. And it's you said it's on all Oculus systems. Mm, I can't say all Oculus systems. Okay, I don't know all of the anything. Ones that anything on. that can do Steam VR, which is going to be everything the but quest, the right? the quest, the yeah. quest, the quest, and the go. Go? Yeah. Go. Yeah. Wait, does the quest have the link cable now? Is that a thing? Oh yeah, you can plug in with a quest. So you, so can, I don't know you could play it with the quest, probably. How that works. Quest with the link cable. Yeah. Yeah. Not wireless though. Um, anything else from this game that you thought was definitely like stand out in terms of VR mechanics that you have not experienced in a past game? In terms of VR mechanics, it's primarily the gravity gloves they they just feel oh nice the weapons also feel good too even like reloading them and mid combat and stuff are they all uh like single-handed weapons or are you doing like dual hand you can put two hands on any weapon so like if you're holding a pistol you can like steady your aim with your other hand okay but i mean you can use all of them one-handed as well works well with the index controllers because you can have an open hand and the controller doesn't go -hmm. anywhere so you can like grip the bottom of your other controller. Right. Oh, wow. And, and it works in game. Yep. 
That's crazy. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's very good. Hmm. I I would I haven't played a ton of it, like I said, but I would say the other huge thing is just production value and level yeah. of polish. Like everything I'm, looks very good and performance capture stuff is all excellent. Voice acting's super good. I mean you have to expect that from like a you know, just a Half Life game in general, let alone yeah, for like thirteen years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That is something that super threw me off ever just having finished the Half-Life games, is that Eli and Alex do not sound like Eli and Alex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not, I imagine they're, they're different voice actors entirely, but... But, like, looking at the... the looking at the Vortigaunts in Half-Life 2, and then looking at the life-sized, very realistically detailed <laughs> one in front of you in VR, is a totally different experience. Yeah, the enemies have... Awesome detail. Also the allies, I guess. This game seems super cool. It is. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some other video game related stuff. Um, we talked about Doom Eternal a minute oh. ago here. Yeah, I actually wanted to talk about this last week, but... Or not last week, last podcast, whatever, but I forgot. So do you guys nice. know... Have you heard of the uh, DRM Denuvo? Denuvo. Yeah. yeah. So, Doom Eternal, on the Bethesda launcher, they used Denovo on Doom Eternal. But, also on there is just a Doom EXE that you can just use to play the game. <laughs> so, they shipped the game out with DRM that nobody likes, that makes the game perform worse, but they also just shipped an EXE of the game that you can just use to play it. Man. What? Which is hysterical. Well, that means they just took that and uploaded it to piracy sites immediately, right? Yeah, yeah. Which means why they basically use DRM for nothing. And the funny <laughs> they, thing is, they pay a lot of money for that stuff I too, know, right? <laughs> and the funny thing is, people are pointing out like, "Oh, well, this has happened to other companies. Like it happened on Rage 2, which mm-hmm. is also Bethesda." <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> going to say this is not the twice. first time this is they've done this. That's so funny. They make the decision that nobody's going to like, and then they don't even get the benefits from doing it. That is ridiculous. Uh, what, a, what a group. I think Square Enix once uploaded an unprotected version of a game, too. Oh, And then, like, it. took it down and then re-uploaded one. Here's the problem. As soon as it's out, it's too yeah. late. You've, yeah. you've missed the point. <laughs> like, as soon as one pirate gets it, it's out. It's over. Man, that's funny. If you didn't get it within, like, literally one minute of putting it out... Yeah, it's probably over. Like, I would understand just accidentally shipping the wrong one, maybe. But how do you end up uploading both Both. a DRM-protected one and the regular version? (laughs) Unreal. You you think whoever did that, like, just immediately lost their jobs? Or... Could have been. Obviously not, because it's the second time it's happened. Yes, it's obviously <laughs> it the same, same guy. guy both same I wonder if same it's guy. the same guy. That would be so much worse. He did it the like, first okay, time. They're like, mess this up. they're like, all right, strike one. <laughs> don't do it again. They did it this time. Two. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> three strikes and you're out. So okay, don't do it like, a third time. He's got to be like staring at it, just being like, oh man, I had one job. Like, <laughs> not to do this. I mean, you get how it, like, he's like, okay, here's the DRM version, and let me put the EXE version right next to it. So I look at it and I see that they're both there, and I remember to take one of them out. And it's like, Brian, did you <laughs> ship it out? And he's like, oh, here, let me just send you the file. And he just sends the whole folder. And he's like, ooh, mmm, 
I forgot to do the thing. And that's it. <laughs> Classic Brian. Classic Brian. Classic Brian, man. Man, um, I think that's so funny when that happens because there's right. like <laughs> there's so many people that hate Denuvo specifically. Mm-hmm. Right. Why do people hate Denuvo? Is it just because it's so restrictive, so difficult to crack that it causes additional problems? I think it causes performance issues. Yeah. Like, literally, you get worse performance from games with it. So mm. people will pirate it just so it runs better. Denuvo wow. works as a protection mechanism because they just literally encrypt the whole game, essentially. And then during runtime, it has to dynamically, like, unencrypt it. So it puts an overhead on the game that makes it run worse. Wow. That's so wild. <laughs> so dumb mm-hmm. but that also means it's very difficult to crack which means most Denuvo games just don't get cracked right or don't get cracked for like a year I mean right. unless, unless you just provide <laughs> a cracked version with your game all the time man that's so funny uh, we were talking about um, I mean clearly we're in the game section one thing I wanted to talk about specifically is uh, Valorant Yes. Um, which I think w- w- when were they streaming exactly? Was that Monday, Monday or Tuesday? They're still streaming. Well, I know they are, but when did they start? Like it just recently. Uh, a couple days ago. Came a thing, right? I was going to say Tuesday, maybe. Um, who, Alex, do you want to talk about this? Yeah. Who, um, wants to, who wants to talk about this? Alex, you talk about this. This is in your color. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically, ball. they've started closed beta. And they decided to make the only way you can get a closed beta key is to link your Twitch and Riot account and then watch a stream that has drops enabled. So it's similar to how we get like the Overwatch tokens for Overwatch League. Yeah. Used to, sure. Um, And that you just have to watch the stream and hope that you get one. So... That seemed to be a big boon for Twitch because they just broke their concurrent viewers record. They had over 4 million people uh, watching streams on Twitch. Not necessarily Valorant, but just across the entire site. Um, and Valorant, I have not seen it drop below 1 million, 1 million concurrent viewers like since they started. Wow. It's kind of insane. I mean, I'll... I'll say I've been watching a ton of Valorant streams, partially because it'd be cool to get a key, but also because all the Overwatch streamers I like to watch are just playing Valorant now. Yeah, yep. really? So uh, most of them, yeah. Hey, what's Valorant? <laughs> so it's Riot's new yes, hero hero based tactical shooter. It looks like it's essentially CS:GO with mm. some hero powers thrown on top. Yeah, it's really interesting to see like the chat because people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe this game looks so good. I'm like, do you guys know about CSGO? Because <laughs> it's like identical. It's got it's a right? couple different points on the map where you're supposed to plant a what's essentially a bomb. But I think they're calling them spikes in this game yeah, or something. They are spikes. Um, and then there's an attacker and defender team and you're trying to either plant or prevent the plant of the bomb. And then if the bomb gets planted, you have to defuse it if you're a defender. You buy and also your you can loadouts. win by well, just killing everybody. Yeah. You buy your weapon loadouts between rounds. You mm-hmm. don't respond within a round. 
It, God, it just looks and plays so much like CSGO. Like, it's crazy. So the stuff they've added, like, there's a bunch of unique characters that all have unique abilities. You have to buy your abilities between rounds. Uh, you don't get your ult until... There's, like, orbs around the map that you can collect to give you points towards your ult. And then I think you also get points for kills, maybe? That seems possible. Um... There's like some other unique things that CSGO doesn't have. Like you can directly purchase things for other people oh, and then yeah. like in the buy menu, just give it to them. Um, diffusing the bomb has like a tick in the middle of the diffusion process that if you get it up over that tick, then it won't go below it. So you can kind of like halfway diffuse it and then shoot somebody and then finish diffusing it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. The abilities uh, all seem like they're vision or movement re like reduction or like sightline manipulation. They're all like that. They're not like direct attacks except yeah. for like a couple of them. I was going to say, not all of them, all of them, but most of them are like smoke screens. Yeah. There's a couple like grenades or there's like a orbital strike thing i see that one guy yeah. has there's there's a fire guy who has like well i guess he's got like flashbangs but he does like a firewall that i think damages yeah and there's a poison lady that does the same yeah. thing but it but it's it damages poison, it's it's poison instead of fire it's so it's crazy uh -huh. different because they're called different things that's how you know <laughs> for yeah. what it's worth in terms of just um uh, game gameplay being played right now. Um, CS:GO has reached back to number one on Steam at the moment. I mean, I'm, I am not surprised because if right. you can't play Valorant but you want to play it, right? You go, oh, this is this is CS:GO. There are currently 927,000 people playing. They've had wow. a peak of 1.2 million in the last 30 days. So, okay, has anyone here actually played CS:GO? Because I actually have not. Yeah, I have played it uh, quite a minute amount. But yeah, is it like? Do you guys like it? No, not nope. really. Oh, interesting. It's kind of strange. It's like a <laughs> none of you. Short time to kill. I feel like um, Super short. You, you can do a lot of just hip firing. I don't know. I don't know if it's like lucky shots or just like aiming versus hip firing doesn't really matter. Or at least it didn't seem to a lot when I was playing it. Um. I don't know. It's it's a strange game. Apparently, people like it though. It's, kind of it's a lot of Did learning. Does CS even have aim down sight? I don't know. I was thinking it might just be just be up fire. The, the original, fire, yeah. not go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know. One point six or source or any of those. Mm -hmm. It's it's just a lot of learning the map and knowing that people will probably come from this angle and yeah, then sitting actually... like at the edge of the corner, just staring. Yeah, waiting like for somebody to poke out. Pixels width of yeah. space usually. Yes. Yes. Like I, like I said, I'm, I want to try this game, but I really don't think I'm gonna like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I mean, it just you, seems like you round a corner and there's a guy there and he's gonna shoot you and then you're gonna die and like I mean, that's you've, it. You've played Siege, right? Or have you not? I can't remember. I don't think I've played Siege. I do not believe you have. Okay. okay. Yeah. No. I feel like in terms of time to kill, probably along the same lines as, as Siege for people who mm -hmm. have played Siege. That's yeah. very short time to kill. And most of the time, people are pre-firing before you're even coming around the corner. Um, and in terms of like pacing, 
if I feel like it's probably the same thing because you always have one side that's that's the, sort of the aggressors and one side that's the defenders, right? So you have or attackers, defenders, and like you are kind of positioning, looking for just like a small sliver of the map to wait. It's kind of the same thing in Siege. You're just you know where people are going to enter. Once you've learned the map, you can kind of understand it. The only real difference is that your in, in Siege your abilities will allow you to manipulate how you approach the objective versus in CS:GO it's just very much gunplay and you know basic map understanding. It'll be cool to see how these abilities in Valorant change or affect the way that people would normally approach like the CS:GO style play. From what I've seen on streams it seems like not a lot. Yeah, not it, a lot. It seems very I mean like obviously controlling vision is the biggest thing they offer. Right. But like as far as I'm aware CS:GO does have smoke grenades. So that's not like super duper new. Um so does it feel like it, they're more focused on the gunplay than they are the ability? That's my takeaway. They're definitely more focused on being like CS:GO than they yes. are being like a hero shooter. Yeah, like kind of people game. compare it to Overwatch and I'm like you it's, obviously have not played Overwatch because <laughs> right. this is honestly nothing like it. Right. You got unique abilities on all the characters. Yeah, that's, like that's the end of the comparison. There are abilities. Mm -hmm. I think one of the ladies is voiced by the voice actress who does Sombra. <laughs> okay, that is wow. about okay. I think where the similarities end. <laughs> it is cool to see, like you know, if you if you think back, like the um, sort of um, League of Legends slash Team Fortress Two days, and how things have kind of like tried to merge in the middle of what those mm -hmm. are. Yeah, and everybody's trying to find their own small spot that are just like slightly different than one another. Uh, and I think that that, that part's kind of cool because people are kind of experiencing, all right, this game's a little less ability sure. focused. This little game's a little more gun focused. I mean, it's like a, it's definitely not for me, but I could see people being really into this because like Overwatch is very much more about like mobility and abilities and like there are tanks and healers and like working mm -hmm. as a team, whereas this is just like, I'm going to run around, I'm going to shoot that guy. I'm going to wait in this corner and whoever turns this corner, I'm going to shoot him. It's probably way easier for a very good player to just win by themselves. At, absolutely, yeah. Whereas in That's Overwatch, true. I feel like if you don't have at least some coordination or, you know, someone else who's not a potato on your team, <laughs> you know, like that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. I feel I feel like that aspect brings more anger when you play games because you have to rely more on your teammates. Yeah. But you do learn the mechanics of the game you're playing a lot more than just like, or at least it seems to be, you learn the mechanics a lot more than if you're just going to be shooting around corners throwing grenades i mean don't get me wrong gunplay is cool clearly i play battle royale games but it's not like you don't you don't feel like you start to understand characters understand abilities understand team coordination as much as you do when you play something like overwatch or dota or league when you really have to coordinate your abilities yeah i will say a, a point in their favor they they really want to make the the actual online experience like very good so what I mean is like the servers and stuff like that are in the net code is supposed to be like top notch. Oh. Um, for instance, they're running all their servers at 128 tick rate, which is like obscenely high compared to other games. Most are like in the 60s to 90s, right? Like 60s, sometimes 30 on certain games that are just bad. Um, but that means like your your client will update the server like that many times per second so you get less like i i saw them like and i got around a corner and on my screen i was around the corner but then i died 
Right. And then you go to the kill cam and on their screen, you weren't around the corner yet. Like stuff like that sure. shouldn't happen as much. So, which is good because this game seems to be 90% hiding around corners. Yeah. <laughs> like, Very seriously, accurate. I've watched a lot of this mostly, you know, because I'm quarantined, I have nothing else to watch. But man, it is mostly just people waiting in corners or looking around at corners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Meanwhile, I might as well just mention this. While uh, this is very close to coming out, I would assume probably sometime like fall, winter of this year. I guess it could maybe go into 2021. Um, due process, still in closed alpha. <laughs> Gosh. One day, man. Never going to happen, dude. It'll be out. Never going to ha- This game is never coming out. <laughs> it's it's going to be they're the Nazgoth. They're going to have spent 10 oh, years developing it. That. They're going to release it. No one's going to like it, and they're going to just shut down the servers. Uh, and then somebody's going to have to create something secretive. Nazgoth. Hide it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about another uh, cool in, in sort of game realm, not necessarily video game realm, but more... Uh, RPG realm, which is uh, Tales from the Loop. Yeah, so this this is a tabletop RPG. It's been out for a while, I think, like 2017, maybe. Um, it's a pretty interesting game. We've not played it before, but it's like it takes place in the 80s, and you're playing as like kids from the ages of like 12, 10 to 15. It's like retro futuristic 80s, though. Right. Like it's it, it, so it takes place in Sweden, and it's like the 80s, except there's there's a huge underground particle accelerator that was built. And because of that, there's a whole bunch of like advanced machines and some like mutated creatures, I think. Running around. This seems pretty cool. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because there's a Kickstarter right now for a board game based on it. And that, that is, still isn't even the important part. As I was looking at the Kickstarter, I noticed that they released a series on Amazon that is Tales from the Loop. And I, really? I was very surprised at that because I had heard nothing about it. And then suddenly it was like, oh, yeah, we started a Kickstarter for a board game. Also, we have this show that came out. Wow. I'm looking at this right now. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea this was a thing. Right? It looks but cool. It, it looks pretty cool. It looks like, kind of like uh, Stranger Things, except more machine based and less horrific creatures. Hmm. It looks pretty exciting. It's actually the entire first season is out. Like it came out like a week ago on Amazon. Wow. So what? I mean, they're they're doing a board game on Kickstarter. That's what this came from. Yeah, I happen to see on Kickstarter that they're doing a board game for Tales of the Loop, and on the Kickstarter side, it's like, hey, yeah. Also, this TV show came out. What? Uh, <laughs> do you know anything about the Kickstarter? No, not really. Okay, I kind of just glanced at it. It's uh, got really pretty minis. Yeah, I'm sure it does. That uh, the the it's RPG cool book machines. itself is pretty. The concept is kind of neat. Yeah. It's kind of in a setting that no one else has really done. I e- even um, I feel like it came out right around the same time as um, Stranger Things. That sort of like '80s stylistic uh, sci-fi adventure thing universe. Mm-hmm. Um, cool concept, but the the RPG mechanics are slightly different than I think what people would normally play with RPGs because this comes from the Mutant Year Zero people. So it's yep. all the d6 whatever they call that persistent d6 rolls so you just roll a handful of d6s on sixes or successes and ones or failures kind of unique mm-hmm. but it seems cool i can't yeah, believe I they made an entire series so. though yeah i'm excited to watch it and see see if it's any good i yeah. haven't seen a lot of reviews for it yet 
Uh, also on Kickstarter, though, we should probably mention uh, <laughs> that Gloomhaven, that game that no one can play because you have to buy it and then put it on your shelf and never play it. That's it, correct, Jake, all. right? Mm -hmm. okay, oh, I yeah. know. Yeah. Just making sure. I just needed to confirm. Um, Frosthaven, the sequel that everyone will have to buy but leave in the trunk of their car, mm. is <laughs> on Kickstarter right now. And it has been active for maybe two, barely two weeks. And they have just barely surpassed their initial goal of 500000 with, uh, it looks like currently $6.95 million. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> six point, almost $6.96 million at this point. So Within the first 30 minutes, they had made a million dollars, I think. <laughs> it's crazy. It's incredible. Yeah. That, I mean, Gloomhaven is still the number one game on Board Game Geek. Yep. So no surprise that this one's getting so much attention. Number yeah. one at like an eight point something. Right? Yeah. Their yeah. their rating system is pretty harsh. Yeah. There's nothing above an eight on that site. It's because board games suck. That's the takeaway. <laughs> Obviously. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> Even people who like board games don't like board games. They're like, eh, it's an eight. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's fine. It's, 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 it's fine. Over around. It's listed on 8.8. On board game geek. It's better for, than sitting and crying. <laughs> for those of you who have backed Frosthaven already, anything you see so far that you're super excited about in comparison to what you received initially with your Gloomhaven kickstart or purchase? Uh anything well, you're pumped about? I mean Wow, no. The base, the base version wow. is like the same nope. as, as Gloomhaven, it seems. I mean, diff it's a different game. There's going to be new mechanics. There's going to be new locations, all that kind but of stuff. But, but it's the same. In terms of like the components, it seems like mostly the same. Now, if you up your game a little bit, some of the higher levels, start getting like <laughs> metal coins. You get the broken token insert to come with it. Which very is just a mere like. Otherwise, the box is just a soup of game parts. Yep. Let me tell mm -hmm. you, uh, in terms of like playing, we're not playing, using a board game without actually playing it gloomhaven was the coolest board game that i've ever used prior to playing it <laughs> this is so dumb. It, it took like at least an hour for me to assemble all of the uh what is the name of that company broken, Alex, broken token broken token yeah all the broken token little boxes and bins out of the laser cut wood pieces in, in order to put all of the components from Gloomhaven in and then restack it in the box nice and neat. It's a wonderful experience, really. Very exciting for me. You guys clearly don't understand. You're not wood people. I get it. Yeah, I, I, have, I have literally no idea what you're talking about. It's important to me that you know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Gloomhaven, you spend like $150 for Gloomhaven, right? And then you or realize... Or not. I mean, you don't have to, but sure, go <laughs> it's on. True. It's true. Then you realize this box is mostly filled with sheets and sheets and sheets of, of cardboard punch-outs that have nowhere to go once you punch them out, besides just a big soup in the box. Mm. And then you go on Amazon and you realize, I can spend 90 more dollars to get this laser-cut <laughs> insert that goes in this box that organizes it all. So then you do that. Are you guys okay? <laughs> Should I call there someone? Are, there Dude, I'm are telling you, 18, I don't know how you play that without the boxes. There are 18 box-sized sheets of cardboard punch-outs in Gloomhaven, which, if you've seen the box, it's not like an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. I mean, that thing's probably like I don't, 
16 inches by almost two feet long. That's a big box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of punch outs. So yeah, I spent ninety dollars on an organizer for a box, a board so game box. S- so for this board game, <laughs> you spent was that two hundred forty dollars? Yeah, so, yeah. If you know. the numbers uh, I that heard doesn't was include that doesn't include his uh, custom battle goals that he bought. Also, how many of you own it? I don't own it. Just two, two of us. Just now, two. Now my Just my next question is: How many hours have you put into this thing? A lot. That's like, a good what question. do you think we're at? Ball we're like park. 20 hours. I mean, or I can tell you exactly we have, uh, well, number not number of hours, but I can tell you exactly the number of, of sessions we've played. Um, that's going to be more than 20 hours. Yeah. We've, we've, played, like 40 hours, we've played 21 sessions. We've played at least three of them multiple times. So if you can assume probably two hours per session on average. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably somewhere almost around like 50 hours of gameplay. That's not bad. Yeah. That, that's like five Sounds bucks about an right. hour. Cheaper than that's cheaper than a movie. You're good. Granted, I will also <laughs> say there are probably another. What did I say? We played twenty one. There's ninety five uh, little campaigns you can play. So we've only played less than a quarter. Not that yeah. you yeah. necessarily so, like, play them all in one right. campaign. You probably gen- get through like sixty of them, right? Probably. I guess probably. But I, I'd say in general, it seems like you are going to get. A lot of value in game time like yeah, yes it's I'd a so. large investment but it also seems like you know you're gonna get a lot of games out of it rather than some board games that you may spend 40 or 60 dollars on and maybe you play it a few times when you see your friends and they're not you know in kansas and that's <laughs> the end of that yeah. Yeah, i one do of the huge benefits of this game is like you play it and you progress as your character you like level them up and you get new items for them and whatnot and then you retire them and you get to play an entirely new character that has entirely new abilities you level them up a bunch and then you retire them and you get to play another one because there's like there's like 16 classes in the game yeah i think yeah. so you're constantly like swapping out and getting new stuff all the time so i think it i think it kind of progresses easily and doesn't get boring i will say the for people who are board gamers um, and you've only played just like, you know, not necessarily like traditional cardboard games, but you've gotten into things like Pandemic or other games that are like Pandemic. Um, <laughs> if if you are interested in playing something where you're going to feel like, hey, this $50, $60 game that I purchased was worth my while, I would encourage you to pick up a legacy game. They not only are unique in terms of just the base mechanics and how you play, but they also convince you somehow better than anything else to come back and continue to play the game. Oh, you can spend yeah. you can spend a lot of money. I mean, I've spent probably, uh, at this point, probably well over $100 on Root, and I bet I've only played it five times, maybe max. Love that game. Love the concept. It's complicated. You don't, like, it's not, not something you have to continually go back to and you're, and you're always learning something every time you're playing because it's weird, strange rules. But with something that's a legacy game, you are learning and it's adapting over time. Or I should say a legacy or a campaign game. Um, it's adapting over time. Things are changing. Scenarios are changing. Everything is dynamic. And it's not like you just go back and play the same thing over and over and over. And it really, I think that investment is cool from both the, both the aspect of it's unique in terms of gameplay, but also you get really do get your money's worth for playing a legacy or campaign game. To go Which, back to the the Frosthaven Kickstarter for a second. Yeah. No, we're um, done with it. <laughs> moving on. 
I I just want to say something kind of unique about their Kickstarter. Well, I don't know if it's unique, but it's not as common anymore. I don't think is they don't really have stretch goals or anything. It's just here's the thing that we're gonna do, and if you want it, then you can sign up. Yep. Uh, so they're well, that seems they're, more like pre-orders than trying to yes, kickstart anything. You are correct. Yeah. I mean, Gloomhaven is such a success that I highly doubt they actually needed to go to Kickstarter. Right. I bet they could have got funding another way. No problem. I mean, it's basically just a storefront. A lot of people use it that way. I mean, I bet... I bet that if you don't go to Kickstarter, you have to secure funds to build the stuff, right? Right. So you probably have to get funding from somebody, but which is maybe so not necessarily that. something that you'd want to do. Like, maybe you don't want to be indebted to somebody. Sure. Maybe they demand a percentage of profits for some amount of time or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Go to Kickstarter, you get your money directly from the customer, you're all good. Plus, there's definitely something to be said for like, not, like keeping your focus tight. Because I know there's a lot of projects that are like, oh, if we get a million dollars, we'll implement this whole other system. Right. And it's right. like, well, yep. just because you got the money to do it doesn't mean you're going to do it fast or well, necessarily, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we promised all these things, but realistically, we kind of can't. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, like, there have certainly been Kickstarters that have failed because their stretch goals, they just didn't account for them sure. as well as. They yeah, have. well, it's definitely true. Alternatively, you could be like, you know, Star Citizen and you could launch your Kickstarter <laughs> in 2012 Jeez. with an anticipated delivery date of 2014 and raise two million dollars. But then be like, why don't we keep raising? So now you've raised two hundred and seventy six million dollars and promised so much that there's no way you can even deliver. <laughs> there's no way it's six years past delivery date, six years past. And yet somehow, somehow. In December of last year, they raised $11.5 million, which we did reference last podcast. How are people still giving them money? I don't don't know. know. They raised $4 million in March. $4 million. The coronavirus is happening. People were like, hey, (laughs) Star Citizen is going to be lit. Well, it's going to get this thing. I guess if you can't leave your house, you might as well have... Star, Star Citizen. Citizen. I guess that's you true. Know. Can't spend money on anything else. We'll just we'll spend it on Star Citizen. <laughs> that's gross. Gosh. So, in case people are interested in Frosthaven, but it's a very expensive game, so they're not sure if they want to buy it. They did implement all six starting classes and three demo scenarios on Tabletop Sim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you which can is really cool. Download the Frosthaven f- demo on Frost there and play it. Yes, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, right. They were just like, hey, uh, you can play the original classes. We'll just let you do it for free. We it's know like we're going to make f- enough money. Official? Like Isaac did it? I believe so. I don't yep. know who it's under, but... I'm pretty sure it's him. Because I think it says it right on the Kickstarter that you can go try it out. Question. Yeah. yeah. What is max player capacity of this game? Six, I believe. Oh, no, four. Is oh, it, it four? four? Well, means four. I don't get to play it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not... We're not going to play it online before we just get it in person, I don't think. I think we're interested in finishing Gloomhaven first. That's fair. You guys you guys have invested plenty of time on that one. And money. Some yeah. of us. Uh, I'll also mention what I recently doing? learned about Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which is a new standalone mm-hmm. that's coming out, I think, at the end of this year. Um, it's supposed to be like more approachable for like people that don't want to spend a crap load of money on Gloomhaven or invest a crap load of time in Gloomhaven. So it's like supposed to be cheaper, a little bit simpler. 
not as long as a, of a story, but still have like all the cool mechanics of Gloomhaven. So be on the lookout for that, I guess, if you're you fit that demographic. Uh, I just realized we have not even counted Forgotten Circles as a part of the number of scenarios that you can play in the original Gloomhaven because right. that is their first actual uh, expansion, which is 20 additional scenarios. So we're one-fifth of the way through the actual campaign, I would say. Just a small amount of money. Small investment, really. Mm-hmm. It'll, sit on your, it'll sit on your bookshelf for a while. It'll be fine. Caleb, have you ever actually cracked yours open? Yeah, I've opened it. Hmm. Uh, let's talk about one other board game related thing, which is uh, Star Wars Saga Edition. Yeah, so I, with this time that we are here in the coronavirus self-isolation, um, have decided that I would start up some D&D, but I wanted to do Star Wars, and I know that you guys have done Starfinder, and you've uh, mentioned a lot of good things about it, but I was like, you know... Rather than having different rules and species and things and kind of tailoring it over to Star Wars, what if I just played an official Star Wars tabletop? Um, did you know that there is a lot of those? <laughs> because there's a lot of those. I thought there'd maybe be like one or two. There are three that are currently in development, like like currently stuff's being put out for by the same company. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fantasy Flight has three separate tabletops of <laughs> uh, going with each of the um, trilogies. So there's a a kind of a, a, uh, um, a prequel tabletop that you are a Jedi and everything has to do with force. And then there is one that goes with the original trilogy where you are part of the Rebel Alliance. And then there is one that is part of the sequel trilogy. And I really didn't pay too much attention to what that one was, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so like it, there's pretty much just chunks. And uh, the, the interesting thing while I was researching and reading through them, and the things that I really liked about it was the fact that they they have like such an easy progression like instead of trying to figure out what your feats and talents and all of this stuff is like you know like w- what to do they have a literal sheet in the book that is a talent tree the same that you would see in borderlands or mmos like it's just there and so mm. you pick your class you pick whatever talent tree you want to go through, and then you just go, oh, I got a point. Do I want to put the point in this thing, or do I want to point the point in that thing? And that's all you do. And that use, was... Is it just like they're using a lot more of like the visual aid of following a path rather than like, here's the book. Here's the 500-page rule book. Go, you know, find chapter 8 and all of the things you could possibly level up and obtain. Well, it's it's I feel like, yeah, it's the way that it's presented definitely helps. But I also feel like it's also just simplifies a lot of that because then you're not trying to figure out, oh, does this talent over here? Like, do I meet those prerequisites? Can I do that with my class? I, you know, can can I do this with it? You literally just have the progression in front of you and you just go, OK, cool. Um, 
you know, tally here, and I go. Listen, uh, first of all, I can't think of a single tabletop RPG where I'm confused as whether or not I can pick up an ability or talent based on my current character. That just, I feel like it doesn't ever happen. Even really? in Pathfinder. I feel like that's a Pathfinder <laughs> dig. <laughs> not positive. I was, was going to say, I was like, that happens to me all of the time. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, I was really impressed with that. But the downside, the reasons why I didn't go with those was that it, the tabletops do force you straight into a lot of the story. You know, the the one of them, like the one that I was really looking into, uh, you know, you are part of the Rebel Alliance. It's not you're in that time frame. You are part of the Rebel Alliance. That is, you know, you, you just choose which end of it that you're part of. And then you can go from there, which kind of forces you through things, which you know like from storytelling kind of sucks but on the other side it does make it a lot easier when you pick up the modules and things like that from them and you're you just can't like be, oh okay you just go you can't start as being part of the empire you have mm. to play as rebel alliance yes the empire did nothing wrong though uh so that's why i went with the early 2000s tabletop from wizards of the coast ah. called star wars um saga and so that one is very much reminiscent of your D20 regular, like 3.5 Pathfinders. Everything is everywhere. Uh, there's like 10 different, you know, updated books and compendiums and, and expansions and all of that. So I decided to go with Chaos, but this also is going to allow the people that I'm playing with to be able to play and be and tell the stories that they want to tell. Uh, especially when I had one person that was like, I want to do something Jedi-like. And then I had another person that was like, I want to be a badass evil smuggler, which I will see how well that person does on that. But yeah, uh, it's, it'll be it'll be fun to see and uh, you know, terms, to be able to tie that together. In terms of like uh, currently created content. I mean, clearly Star Wars universe is enormous. There's tons of content you can play off of, uh, but it's all book and film and TV show related. On the other end of the spectrum, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder are very much rule. Like the rules have really been fleshed out over the years. So it's, it's really easy, easy to understand like why they chose specific mechanics and it seems more balanced is something like this and Star Wars is not the only um, other, you know, like TV or movie medium that's been sort of transferred over into a tabletop RPG. But in this case, do you feel like it is a somewhat balanced RPG in terms of the, you know, the characters and the builds and the sort of story progression? Or does it feel a little bit more um, uh, loose? From, from everything that I have read about this, I mean, this seems I, this is written by Wizards of the Coast who did D&D back, you know, like, okay. like, and are doing D&D. So, like, this is this is pretty much just the Star Wars skin on a uh, on 3.5. Uh, and I'm not angry with that. Like, that that mm -hmm. seems like, you know, it's they knew what they were doing. They were literally writing the books on this stuff. And they're just like, we're going to make the Star Wars version of it. And I was like, cool, which is part of the other reason why I went with this is because I know that the progression and the balance of this is going to work really well uh they also added a couple like kind of new mechanics to it that you know one of which they were just like hey this is 100 percent optional you know you don't have to do this uh which i don't think i'm going to do but the other mechanic i thought was really cool of it's like it's how the force works in the game 
and pretty much every single level you get five encounters with the force and Mm. so you get these five encounters that you can use between level one and level two and level two you know and then i think you get six from level two and and, you know it, it gets you get more and more as you go up um but you can use these in, you know these encounters of the force in two ways you can either a add a d6 to one of your d20 rolls at any time so if you just roll a d20 on perception of something or and you're just like ah that really sucks or you know you're trying to do an acrobatic thing in a fight and you know you just barely miss it or maybe it is a you're you're swinging at somebody and you you're again you you don't quite hit you can just be like mm, let me add a d6 to it throw in the d6 and then you get to use one of those and then you're down instead of five you have four uh the other mm. way that you use that is you um if you ever are start dying you can use one of them to stabilize yourself back to zero so, so they're essentially have- like they're like benefit dice or, or or benefit components to allow you over each level to utilize them as like a recovery thing, something yeah. to keep you from you know something from bad happening. Yeah, you know it, it's able to give you a little bit of recovery, and it was just like yeah, you know your character doesn't have to be force sensitive for this. It's just the force acts in mysterious ways, and I was like, okay, this is kind of neat. I'll I'm gonna see how this plays out, but I feel like I'm really gonna like it, and that the people I'm playing with will as well. I mean, even though it was published, you know, quite a while ago, you said like 2000, 2001. Like, what did you say? Uh, oh, it's uh, I think it was like 2006 was when it all started. 2007, something like that. I think 2011 is the last of all of the updates to it because okay. that's, it was right before that they sold it over to Disney and Fantasy uh, Flight took the rights from them and ran with the tabletop stuff. And there's actually like ace there is a book that they put out of like hey if you wanted to you know uh do any of the stuff that is now no longer canon or if you wanted to move it over to fantasy flights here's how which is cool and i think the thing that'll be interesting is you know they have i mean clearly they have all of the old star wars content but now knowing all of the additional things that the force can do which never was able to do before like you know transfer force energy to heal someone mm-hmm. uh you know force propel yourself while you're dead in space back into a ship where there's oxygen and a breathable environment magic, all of that close-up magic yeah i mean that's really really going to change what this rpg is going to be uh yeah no i definitely wow. feel like i'm going to have to make some gm calls on things that our force <laughs> wielders can do and i'm okay with this you're dead Whoa. okay i would like to use the force to bring myself back to life Mm, that seems yeah. legit. What level do I have to be to attack an entire fleet of ships at once? Twenty-five? <laughs> sure, let's go twenty-five. <laughs> no, never. Mythic only. <laughs> if only it were Pathfinder. Uh, it seems. It seems cool. Palpatine I think mythic levels. What you're saying? <laughs> For sure, dude. I think there are other RPGs that came from, like I said, that came from uh, TVs or uh, TV shows or films. Mm-hmm. There is a Lord of the Rings RPG. There is a, a Stargate RPG that's coming out. There are uh, there's multiple Harry Potter RPGs. None of them are less necessarily like forefront, probably because they were just developed as a hey, I want to like essentially live in this universe in terms of like this character that I've designed or created. 
Yeah, you just um, want role play. Yeah, it would. It, it's, but I think of all of those, Star Wars can be the one for sure. Especially if there's multiple new ones coming out, it could be one where it's like, all right, this could develop into something that maybe somebody would play significantly more than they would just a like a one-off RPG. It's something that sort of has ground that they've developed the engine, the mechanics of the game enough where people are, you know, they want to come back, they want to play it more. It's not a single single try, single attempt. So it'll be cool to see. You said they have like three, three or four more that they're working on. Yeah, yeah, no, there's there's three of them that they're they're currently you know putting stuff out for, and that's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, anybody have anything else? Anything happened cool this week while everybody was stuck inside? Is everybody actually stuck inside? I don't even know. I mean, the Horizon House is stuck inside. Now that we're not calling it that. I'm still going to work. You're still going to work. Jake, are you, you going to work? Documents so people I mean, I'm work- I've I been do. working from home for like nice. three months. Three weeks, not months. <laughs> for like three months. Really. Look, I mean, man, time doesn't have any meaning anymore. It's weird. Jake he hasn't even seen this. the sun. <laughs> I don't I even have you the sun. Track the days of the week by what alcohol you're drinking, what spirit you're drinking. <laughs> It's Thursday? Tequila Thursday? Oh, it's Thursday. All right, got it. All right. It's got to be Tequila Tuesdays. Get out of here. Yeah, that's true. It goes with the tacos. Yeah. Ah, fine. Then what's Thursday? It's, it's got to be a tea, man. Oh, dude, speaking of tacos, I do have something <laughs> random to talk about. What? It's not related to anything is we it, talk about. Is it that Bar Taco is delivering pork belly tacos to your door? No, they probably they could, but I that's, mean, I'm, they're not. Well, I'm just reminding you that that might be a thing that you I should found, probably partake in. If anyone in this chat likes hot sauce or hot food, yes. I got this freaking truffle hot sauce. Ooh, you lost me a truffle. It, dude, yeah. it is so freaking good. I've been seeing ads for it like online, but it's like it's pretty expensive. It was like sixty dollars for like a Ooh. pack of three different types of hot sauce. Mm. And I was like, man, that's that's more than I'd pay for a hot sauce. I don't know about. But I was like, I was getting rations at Giant. And I saw they had just like a single bottle for like 20 bucks. And I was like, well, I'll try it for 20. And it's got it's delicious. It's like my favorite hot sauce. What's it's the really name good. of this? Uh, I think it's just called Truff. It's Truff. not. Okay. <laughs> Truff. Yep. Truff. I typed in T-R-U-F and it's Truff hot That's sauce. Hell yeah. But there it is. It's really good. I really like they've got like I only found two, the black truffle and like the hot hot sauce. And the hot one's where it's at. That's the good shit. The black one's fine, but it's the hot hot. That's really good. <laughs> While we're on the topic of good hot sauces. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> green Dragon. If you get some Green Dragon from Trader Joe's, is that, that stuff um, is delicious. Is that like a drug? <laughs> yes. Will I be arrested? It's, a it's basically drug. a drug. You pick up how good it whole, is. In the Whole it's... Foods parking lot. It's got to be like a bougie pickup point. It can't be somewhere that's like, you know, under a street lamp or it's darkly dimly lit. It's got to be in the parking lot of Whole Foods. Only place you can get Green Dragon. Very important. Why the parking lot of Whole Foods? It's Trader Joe's. Oh, Trader Joe's. Sorry. (laughs) It's Trader Joe's brand. Mm -hmm. Same thing. It's Trader Joe's in-house brand. It's called Green Dragon. It's amazing. Is it hot? Very tasty. It's It's like... It's hot, but it's not like so hot that all you taste is just heat. it, It doesn't sound like it's hot. If you say... It's hot. <laughs> You're losing me. It's it sauce. Is hot. It's not hot it, sauce. It's it sauce. adds it adds a lot of flavor to stuff. It's very good. 
It's not hot. It is hot. <laughs> it is. It is spicy. We need to get you some uh, Bull Snort Texas Tongue Torch Three Pepper Hot Sauce. Is what yeah. we need to get you. That's where it's I mean, at. That sound. It has the word "snot" in the name. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, that's probably a no. Hey, it's snort. Uh, man, Bull snorting. I don't. Texas <laughs> Tongue Torch. It's got a long, gross-sounding I mean, name. <laughs> their, their, their description is Bull Snort Texas Tongue Torch Tart Pepper Three Pepper Hot Sauce. One hot lick deserves another. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, dude. Nice. That sounds gross. <laughs> like, how uh, hot do you want? Like, do you want like burn your esophagus hot? No, but when I say is it hot, I don't want a weird pause followed by <laughs> it's well, hot. Well, is I want hot? Yes, it's this hot. is a weird this... question because it's like how hot? Because people have well, different levels of hot. You can go to the Scoville units. Jake's Truff Sauce is twenty five hundred to three thousand Scoville units. And Bull Snort Texas Tongue Torch is <laughs> fifty thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand Scoville heat units. So the hot scale. Oh, they also have like a Yelp a Yelp scale here with flames on this website. The hot scale is three flames. I don't know wow, out of how many. It's powerful. just three flames. <laughs> three flames, man. But I'm assuming that is legit hot sauce. It's the real deal because it's got the three flames and not just one or two. By the way, this podcast was sponsored by multiple different hot sauces. <laughs> was it? Sure. It may have been. Not? It could be. I think if we say it, we can ask them for money. <laughs> Sounds legit. Hey, we said something about your hot sauce. Perfect. <laughs> no, mention Whole Foods? No, we didn't mention Whole Foods. It's No, it's mm-hmm. fine. You guys ever watch Hot Ones? I love that's, Hot Ones. That's the YouTube like series where they're yeah. eating the hot wings, right? Yep. Some of those upper end hot sauces skull unit scales that they get on like the last dab is like two million plus that's the just last dumb. dab why would you want something that is two million scoville units oh, to man. die because you want a <laughs> swift death yeah <laughs> <laughs> be- because you want to be you want to just have the volcano on every orifice of your body at that point you're just like yeah let's go say orifice and on that note we're gonna go ahead and end this uh make sure you check out our website for other content uh thank you so much for joining us and we will catch you next time This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Jake John Fetterkyle, Caleb Juno, and Owen Patterline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. We also have a couple new series that we've been working on, one for a custom Divinity campaign and another for a Pathfinder campaign that we've been working on. So make sure you check those out as well. Again, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time.